Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. That is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, which I moved out of when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for eight years and have two beautiful babies. Yes, we do, and we're so excited to be back here with you today to discuss a little bit more on the community of Gloriaville. Yes, we did the very first episode of the series that's on Amazon Prime um, last week, and then I know this week we promised that we were going to do... We thought we were going to do one on episode two, one on episode three, um, one on Wednesday, one on Friday, but we covered so much in that first episode comparing Gloria Vale to the FLDS and some similarities to the LDS that the episode two and three, we feel like we could probably sum up a lot faster. Right. And we've had so many comments talk about the fact that this specific documentary is very sheds a very positive light on Gloria Vale. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information out there now that uh, is not in these these uh, original series, in this original series, about people that have, uh, have left the community now, people that are sharing their story of what it was actually like in there versus the, the uh, documentary that seems to pin it in a pretty positive life for the most part. Yeah, so we didn't want to drag on like us comparing against Gloria Vale for like weeks and weeks and weeks on end. So instead, we were like, let's do uh, part two and three, episode two and three of the current documentary. And we kind of wanted to finish it through these. It definitely, we could tell that it's a very positive light, right? Like um, if there was a certain documentary film of the FL FLDS from the outside, right? When they wanted talking to the people they wanted at the right time, you're going to see a lot of those similar things. Um, lots of other religions have done very similar like campaigns um, with movies yeah. and things to try to paint themselves. So we are very aware that this is probably not the full story. I mean, obviously, there's major issues just from the get-go of the way that the marriages are picked and the patriarchy and the complete submission that it's very rare for something like a community to be able to be like that successfully without there being abuse of power or abuse in some way, right? Yeah. So we are aware of that, but we wanted to continue to look through the rose-colored glasses through the end of One this documentary. Time. Yes, <laughs> before getting into what we'll now do on Friday is we will um, follow, I think it was Paul and... And Dove. No, it's not. Oh, I'm Dove. sorry, the first and Pearl. And Pearl, sorry, Paul, Paul and, and Pearl. Pearl. Yes. We've heard they have left, and we haven't looked into their story yet, but we want to react to their story on Friday. So we're going to hang in here with the rose-colored glasses, finish this docuseries, um, and give our thoughts and comparison on what they're sharing their communities like versus our community and or our communities that we grew up in. And then we'll have another episode talking about... Just kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, like. some of some of maybe the problems that were going on in the community. That uh, obviously, if if Pearl and Paul have left the community, there's a reason for that. So the one on Friday might be a little bit more of the negative side, which, like we say, we haven't seen it yet. So we're going to look into that, and uh, we're just basing this off of a lot of comments that you have sent us. So thank you all for that. The second episode was all about life and death. So they go through and they're following one of the elder people in the communities. He was one of the shepherds, and they're talking about him dying, um, talking about he was a builder, they're building a school, they're obviously having a ton of growth from the amount of babies that are being born. But on the other end of it, how they treat the people who are dying was also very interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. And similar to the way that I was raised in the FLDS community, uh, this group, they 
are all looking forward to this. They're looking forward to the day where they will die to then be able to return to heaven, as they say it. Yeah. And so it almost seemed like it was a, a joyful time for the community to see one of the older people move on from this life. So different way of looking at things for sure. Yeah. And I mean, very, very focused, even in their sermon as they, like at the burial itself was all about resurrection, right? About mm -hmm. resurrecting the body. They didn't do any embalming. Um, they took care of everything themselves very, very simply. And all of the focus was on the fact that he lived a faithful life and that it wasn't sad because now he's in heaven and he has his glory and he's going to be resurrected. So there's like no reason to be sad about it. Yeah. And everything was kind of done there uh, locally. It was uh, kind of a homegrown <laughs> funeral service, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. uh, they built their own casket there. They have their cemetery in their little uh, I don't know if you want to call it a compound, their little group, their yeah. community. Everything was done right there from within the community and by members of the community. Yeah, you can tell they didn't go into a lot of the history of the community or how long it's been around. We'll probably cover that a little bit more in our next video where we dig a little deeper about it rather than just reacting to this documentary. But um, you can tell it's not a very old community because there weren't a whole lot of graves Right, no. Like few, in the area, there's just a few. Headstones scattered around. Um, and it, I've heard dates thrown out here and there. Like like Melissa said, we'll get more into that uh, in the next video. But but it did. It definitely seems like a newer church. Yeah, a newer church, newer community. One thing that, you know, we're watching, and this is all, you know, most of the stuff we had already covered in the first episode. But when... Paul gets asked about death. He said, there's only two ways to leave the community. Oh. It is either the way that they call him Steedy. He's spelled like steady, but Steedy, Steedy, the way that the, um, hmm. the shepherd had died or by somebody leaving the community. And he was talking about how that's worse than death because death, you're going to be in heaven and have your glory. But when you leave the community, you are saying that you don't want to be here anymore and it's likely they'll never see you ever again. Uh, sad, and right? that hit it's, home. It, yeah, it definitely hit home for me, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I personally dealt with and experienced growing up uh, as a young boy. I, I mean, I, I've talked in the past in other videos about uh, a really bad car accident that I was in. Sam was in a coma. I was in a coma for a few days. My brothers were in a coma for much longer, uh, two of them anyway. And uh, anyway, we all survived it. But shortly after we returned home from this traumatic experience that we all had, we were told by a family member that we would have been much better off dying in that incident than to ever leave the church. So, and this was, this was, Upon, uh, upon returning from the, everything just happening, just surviving, and, and the, everything that the family had to deal with, the trips back and forth from the hospital, all of those things that went along with it, uh, to then be told that by, by a family member. So it just, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's sad, but it's, it's the way some of these people look at life when all that matters is what's to come. They don't, they don't think that this life is really that important other than just proving yourself that you can be, proving obedient, your faithfulness. be obedient and follow what uh, you're told to do. Well, and he also put emphasis too, like if you die faithfully, they know that they're going to get to see you on the other side, right? They're going to get to be with you in heaven on the other side. 
But this community seemed to put a lot of emphasis. They talked quite a bit about hell as well, mm-hmm. um, just like the FLDS did. And so when he said they'll never see you, you know, oh, if they leave, they'll never see them again. They're not just talking about this earth. They think because they're leaving, they're not following properly. They're not going to be able to go to heaven. So they're when Gloria Vale or the FLDS think that somebody is left, that's also keeping them from their family in the next life. And I'd say... The LDS, it's not the same emphasis. I want, there's not the same shunning, depending on the family. I know some people personally have had like really hard experiences with that as well. But it is still the same in the sense that you cannot, without being um, a full believing church member with all your covenants done in the temple, you can't have your eternal family mm-hmm. in the highest degree of glory, is what they call it. So it it's not on this earth as much, but still when people leave the church in the LDS, they, the people who are the family members that are still in the church do believe that you're ruining their eternal family and you're ruining your own eternal family by leaving the church. We had been told that by family members that, you know, our eternal family is on the line by us choosing to not um, follow the LDS church anymore. And so it's just sad whenever you see that, because again, in this life, the FLDS and Gloria Vale, in this life, they don't get to see them, and they believe not in the next life. And in the LDS, they put more emphasis on the next life being separated. Yeah. But all of it's heartbreaking. So, yeah. So. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about some of these things and how uh, sad it is that people look at us or look at other people that way that, uh, well, because of one decision or because of the decision religiously you made, uh, you have just destroyed your life in uh, here on this earth and <laughs> in the life to come. And, uh, you know, you try to tell someone that truly believes that, that it uh, that it's, it's hurtful to hear those types of things. And guess what your answer will be? Well, the truth hurts. You know, that, that that's what that's what they believe. And uh, it doesn't matter if it if it doesn't uh, sound nice or it hurts to hear it. That's what they believe. And that's what you're going to get. So. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. But it was interesting. They they touched on it so slightly in the documentary. Um, I was like, oh, they just kind of like put that in there real quick um, and then kind of moved on from it. But definitely a lot of similarity there. Um, they talked about not having any official holidays. You know, they do not celebrate Christmas or Easter. Um, that is not the same with the LDS, but that is exactly the same with FLDS. It's the way it was for me growing up. Yep. So no major holidays were celebrated. Uh, well, I guess when I was really young, we did celebrate the 4th of July, which, in, which is Independence Day here in the United States. So that was one that we did celebrate. But uh, later on, as time went on and Warren Jeffs took over, that was also canceled. Uh, so during Warren Jeffs' time uh, as a leader, we didn't celebrate any of the major holidays. But they had celebrations, which was the same as Gloria Vale. Like, yep, they didn't exactly. celebrate the major holidays, but they did look for opportunities to celebrate, whether it was summer, whether it was just, you know, every once in a while creating celebrations and times for the community to get together. And that's what Sam's childhood was like. So it when they were, when I was watching those, it reminded me of the videos that we got to see in, uh, was it Keep Sweet Praying Obey? To show the old celebrations and the old parades and stuff mm-hmm. that like gave you so much nostalgia. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's just like the FLDS. Yeah, very similar, very similar. And it's, it's these groups, it's so interesting to see. I mean, there's obviously some very big differences. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, you know, the, the very modest way of dressing and, and uh, speaking a little bit differently and, and the terminology they use. 
you know, and the seeking for life after this, uh, things like that, you know, it's just very, very similar. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, another thing is on Sunday, they talked about how they have meetings to like share their testimony. And we had a great comment and I wanted to um, thank you for doing this comment because so often we get so used to the terminology that comes with a lot of these religions and sometimes we don't take the time to explain it. So when we talk about testimony, that is um, a personal witness of your beliefs or like you sharing what you believe in your heart to be true. So in the LES church, um, the first Sunday of every month was a fast and testimony meeting. So instead of any preaching, people could go up to the pulpit and they could share their own testimony of sharing what they believe to be true. Obviously, you're going to be sharing beliefs that align with the church. Um, and you get to share any experiences as to things that help strengthen your belief in that in your religion. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so... That's what a testimony is. Yeah. And just like in the LES church, and did the FLDS have testimony meetings? Oh, yes. I mean, it was more, the testimony meetings were held during Sunday school. That's um, what it was called, one of our meetings. Uh, during Sunday school, and Sunday school was held in our homes on Sunday morning. And that's where, so testimony meetings were more family members standing up family, immediate and extended family, standing up and bearing your testimony is what we called it, sharing your thoughts and beliefs and, how, and why you believed in them. And we, I was always told that you have to have your personal testimony. You can't have, you can't base your testimony on anyone else's. You can't um, allow yourself to just uh, go along with what someone, else's, what someone else believes you have to find your own testimony for yourself, right? Absolutely. And so those, those are things that I was told. Uh, now looking back, I, I kind of chuckle because my testimony was 100% based on what I was told <laughs> from my parents and, and church leaders. So you're, you're told these things to make it seem that you are coming up with your own testimony and you're finding it for yourself. But had my parents said the same thing to me about a testimony but taught me a different belief religiously, then that would have been the testimony that I would have had, right? So, so it just, uh, uh, it, 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 I don't know. It's just interesting how they use words to make it seem like it's your idea. You're the one. It's, 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 it's all up to you. But yet they, they guide every little aspect of your life. Yeah, in the LDS church, I think it's, I mean, it's adorable. But at the same time, I totally understand what you're saying. Where like little kids would ask to go or to go and share their testimony if they want to get to go talk from the pulpit. And when kids are really little, like their parents would go up with them and would whisper in their ear, you know, and they'd be like, they'd whisper in the kid's ear, like, um, I know that, you know, Gordon B, well, for me, Gordon B. Hinckley is the true prophet. And the kid goes, I you know, I know yeah. that the Gordon B. Hinckley is the true prophet. Uh -huh. And I am grateful for Christ's atonement. And they would, you know, the parents are whispering what the kid should be sharing in a testimony meeting. And so... It's the first time I've ever thought about it that way, like you mentioning it like that, because growing up it was so normal, and you just look at it as adorable, like these little kids want to share their testimony, but you're right, they don't have a testimony, and parents like whispering in their ear what they're supposed to share. I don't know, that's interesting, yeah, I never I never thought about it that way. Yeah, anyway, back on to Gloria <laughs> Bell. That, yes, that's what a testimony <laughs> meeting is. Their Sunday meetings, they also had testimony meetings. Um, in LDS, we were also taught that it's like super important to share your testimony often because it helps build it, right? The more that you're sharing what you believe, the um, deeper meaning it will have to yourself. 
Yeah. And the stronger your testimony will become. And so a Gloria Veil also does that, which was, like I said, interesting. They do get medical treatment and are willing to go to hospitals, have antibiotics when it was absolutely necessary. They were showing like um, a couple different like childbirths and times the babies had to go to hospitals or the mothers had to go to stop labor. So that was one thing that was nice to hear that um, we've heard in some of our comment section. Again, we'll follow that in other videos um, where maybe they didn't do child or do um, healthcare as well as they should have in the future. Right. Well, it seemed that they tried very, very hard to keep everything local. Yes. To keep everything there done on their property, if at all possible. Yeah, but they definitely seem to understand the delicate situation of childbirth mm -hmm. and what needed to be done in order to save the baby. Which was mother. good to see that, at least. Um, I don't know about other things, uh, you know, dental work and that type of thing. Those are things I guess we will cover later on. Yeah, so, um, but I know like there are some religions that are like, no, you know, no outside help, no modern day help, no going to the modern world for anything or anything like that, but Which they just, did. For anyone that's curious, the FLDS did the same thing here. It was uh, keep it local if possible, if, if uh, it's absolutely urgent or necessary, take them to the hospital uh, at a, at a, in a bigger city. So, yeah. uh, and that's something, you know, all, a lot of members within my own family ended up in a bigger hospital due to whether it was uh, complications medically or an accident, things, things like that. Uh, we did find ourselves in a, an actual outside hospital. People are probably going to ask this, um, for the FLDS, they didn't talk about it in the Gloria Vale, but were you guys allowed to get blood transfusions? As far as I know, yes. I don't think that was against, I never heard anyone say that that was against the rules. Okay. Just asking, because so. I know that's a thing a lot of times people ask. Um, that was kind of it for the second episode. It was mostly about that. Um, the kids' names, at the end, they're kind of going through like all the different children's names because they named their children a lot based on, I mean, biblical names, but then attributes. Right. So like hopeful, cheerful, charitable. Um, what was one that was like? Steadfast. Steadfast. Yeah. Um, lots of names like that, which were adorable on these little faces. The kids were so freaking cute. I was like, oh, so adorable. But um, very, if, very if they If they ever choose to leave the community for future... Uh, that's definitely going to get some people turning heads, though, if, if you tell them that your name is Steadfast, right? So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. But within the community, it seems to be very common that they have those types of names. Yeah, definitely. I think there were a couple Steadfasts. A couple Steadfasts. Um, yeah, Hope, Angel. Yeah, lot, lots of interesting names. Encouraging. Yeah, lot, lots of words like that. Yeah. Um, words that you describe people with rather than, like, the but, name of a Right. Anyway. Yeah. The whole last one was all, um, the whole last episode was called A Woman's Place. And it's going into, um, it's following around one girl in particular, but just overall showing the work that the women do, how they're happy in it. Again, a little bit of the rose-colored glasses, right? Like, oh, everybody loves to do all this work and all these chores all the time to support all of the community. Yeah. Um, Saying, and that they just have to be wait. They just have to wait to be asked to be married, and hope that somebody asks them. I thought it was interesting. This is a lot different than the FLDS in that they said a lot of times the girls are older than the men. Yeah. When they got married, and like the one marriage, the guy was underage. He was seventeen, and she was twenty-two. 
when they got married. So interesting. That's definitely something I've never seen before in my childhood growing up, that the woman was older than the man, um, or I guess boy in this case. So, yeah. I mean, I think back when I was 17, of course, I thought I knew everything and that I could run the world at that age. <laughs> but uh, if, if I look back and actually think about if I had gotten married at age 17, yikes, I, I don't think I was prepared for anything. Yeah. back in the you know at, at that young age so anyway yeah. uh, they it's, it's 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 different it is different and i understand that because these people are are living within this community and they don't really uh deal with the outside community so yeah, they're not trying to pay bills have a roof over their head car right. payments normal household bills medical but like it yeah. is different in their responsibility too i feel like because their their responsibility as a husband is to follow the church exactly, do the work that the church says, and, and make sure that and the their wife. The exactly. yeah. And then make sure their wife has a lot of kids. So the amount of responsibility that they have as a father there is a lot different than the responsibility of being a father in the outside world, I feel like, too. Exactly. And that was my point. It's very different lifestyle. Yeah. You know, maybe he'll do fine. Uh, but <laughs> I forget his name. Her name was Dove. I believe the 22 year old and his at uh, the 17 year old, yeah. I forget his name, but uh, one of the young boys out there. So, yeah. Um, when there was a group of the women that they were talking about how sometimes they do have to go out into the world and they have to go to the mall or something. And they said, you know, people will stare or ask questions and that they're super understanding. And they're like, why wouldn't someone ask us questions? We understand that we look different. And when they said, we're happy to not look like the world, I got a flashback to me being a teenager because the modesty standards in the LDS church, you know, um, we were told not to wear short shorts, to always cover our shoulders, um, to not wear bikinis. There were just so many things that were so common to everybody else that we were told that we were supposed to not look like the rest of the world. And we were supposed to take pride in that. So when they said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I grew up that I was so grateful to not look like the rest of the world because then we did stand out and then people would ask us questions and we could share our testimonies. Right. And so it was like a way to be able to almost open up that conversation. You know, oh, you seem so happy and you're not doing these other things or you're not drinking in college. You know, why aren't you drinking? Oh, well, it's because I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Let me tell you more about it. Yeah. Right? So not being like the world. Um, obviously... Not nearly as extreme as what you grew up. Right, right. Well, I, I grew up with a similar dress code that you see the the boys and the men wearing in Gloria Bell. Uh, so that's very similar to the way I was raised. And it seems that even in water sports and when they're playing in the water, they're still wearing their their pants, their jeans, their long sleeve shirts. And that was the same that it was for me as well. Yeah. So at least you didn't see anyone in swimsuits there, did you? I think some little, little boys okay. had like little jumper swimsuits, if okay. I remember right, for a second. But yeah, the older kids, they were Everyone all like was in fully there, clothed. fully clothed. So that was my experience. And the, the difference between the way I grew up and the way you grew up, it seems, is if uh, someone came to talk to me, I was told not to really mingle with the outside world. Mm -hmm. Whereas you were eager to share your testimony. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was eager to uh, exit 
the conversation as quickly as possible. So I know I was looking peculiar because I would wear a one piece as a teenager to a pool party and you guys were wearing like jeans and a long sleeve shirt. So right. I mean, you kind of put me to shame in the modesty <laughs> category. Silly yeah. me covering my belly button. Yeah. But um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was um, one, they got baptized at six. And I want to do a little more research on that because in the LDS, FLDS, the age of accountability is eight. So I'm very curious why or where they get the number six or if it's not a certain age, but more of a like when the child thinks they're ready or when the parents think the child's ready. I want to look more into that and I have a note down. So Yes. And they did say that some one specific person got baptized at six, but they did not say that everyone gets dove. baptized. Right. It was Dove, but they did not say everyone gets baptized mm -hmm. at six. So you're right. It might just be that that one person, that's once again, maybe we'll find someone that knows this that can put a comment below. But yeah, uh, yeah that's a good question. Is it, is it everyone getting baptized at that age or is it just that one person when they feel that they're ready? Yes. That and the uh, last thing on here, because they were showing the, the multiple weddings at the same time um, and, you know, all the things that we kind of touched on in the first video with the first marriage of, um, of those two. So, but they were talking about the fact that they actually did get some kind of talk. I know in, like before marriage, before consummating their marriage. And I know we talked about it in the first episode, I was like, they would have had to have some kind of talk. They would have had to, like, they right. can't just be like, can't go consummate the marriage. And they're like sitting there not knowing what to do. Right. So they did mention that they do get those talks and that the mother will typically go to the woman. And I'm guessing they the didn't woman. say, they but didn't I'm, say guessing, what with the men, I'm but. guessing that the, the father will go and talk to his son. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. But we did find out that that is a thing like that. They actually plan and they do have those talks with them. So I was like, oh, that so that's, that's good. Questions. That's good that they do get that talk because, uh, you know, I know that there are other groups, FLDS being one of them, that a lot of people did not get that talk and uh, didn't have children for a long time, not knowing why. Yeah. So it's, it's a good <laughs> thing they had that talk. And especially in this specific community, the Gloria Vale community, because they are married and then they almost forced them to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, have sexual relationships like right away. And then they come walking back uh, to the group soon after. But anyway, so. Yeah. And not... in the FLDS, it seemed like you'd hear stories too, where maybe it took them a little bit of time to like get to know each other since they didn't get to know each other beforehand. So I still think it, in Gloria Vale, like it's crazy to go from like, we can't touch at all. We're going to hug for the first time over the altar, go do it. And then come back like that's still just so much that um, that's like hard to picture. But yeah. anyway, we are excited to that's really all for these last two episodes. I'll say that we are excited to kind of dig a little bit more. Again, we don't want to drag this on for like weeks for you guys um, or like bore you guys to death. But we find all these things really interesting and we're really excited to look up some stories of people who have left. And do a reaction on those yes. this Friday. Come back, come back with information about what it's like there now. Because this film was filmed in 2014, mm -hmm. is that, I believe it was. So this was years ago that these documentaries, uh, the information on these documentaries are, are years ago. Yeah, not so, only, but then, not only were they from years ago, but it's very obvious that, like, the church got to kind of handpick who was going to be interviewed and... 
yeah, it's all with a very positive light. And so being able to share the story of somebody who's left and kind of what else is going on behind the scenes for Gloria Vale, um, we're excited to dig a little deeper. I know that Paul and Pearl have left. Right. And they were obviously very, very faithful um, throughout this whole docuseries. And so I'm really excited to hear a little bit more of their story, why they left, how they left, what the repercussions were. And we are going to share that with you on Friday. Right. Yes. So we're looking forward to that. And thank you all for being here. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you all soon.